Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. Praise the Lord. Well, you know, we got some sharp guys around here, and you know why? Because, guys, I want you to say it with me, Proverbs 27, 17. I'm not going to say it. You say it for me. Proverbs 27, 17 says, come on, guys, say it loud. Sharpens iron, what? So one man sharpens another. Well, that's what's been going on in our, our men's group for several months now. We've been focusing on that one scripture and kind of building off of it. Yesterday, we actually had anger. How to react, it does. But anyway, it was, it's good stuff, and you should have been here if you weren't, uh, but it's, uh, you know, I just wanted to let you know, it's some good stuff going on, and uh, going on here all the time. won't meet because of the holidays, but after that, we'll, we'll let you know week after week when we will be meeting as, uh, as our, in our men's group. We've been doing kind of a little series, and the Lord just kind of spoke to me about being in Christ and Christ in us. And what that means. You know, when we have Christ in you, you have what? It's Christ in you that is the hope of glory. And when we're in Christ, it's a secure place to be. Where we're in, when we are in him, because when we're in him, guess what? We're seated somewhere. We're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. What that means is we are in his place of authority with him. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. You know, when you're seated at the right hand of the Father, it means that you're sitting in the authority of God. When Moses anointed Aaron and Aaron's sons, I looked at that word anointed. When he anointed them, the word there in the Hebrew is mele yad. Mele meaning the authority and yad being the hand. So when you anoint and you anoint with oil, you lay your hands upon someone, what you're doing is you're imparting the authority of God upon them to be a spokesman for God, to be a hand of God, to be an extension of the will of God. And God has, has done something in each one of us. In 1 John chapter 2, and I believe it's about verse 6 or somewhere along in there, it says that you have an anointing or you have an unction of the Holy One. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You have the authority, the unction of God inside of you. Just say this with me. I have the unction to function. God has given me the ability because Jesus said that greater things than I do shall you do because I go to my Father. There was an impartation of the authority of God given to us because of what Jesus accomplished at Calvary when he died on the cross and the Spirit of God came upon his disciples as was promised by Jesus. He said, I've got to go to the Father, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. No, the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit. It's necessary that I go. He said, I'll send the promise to the Father. And he's going to be in you. He's going to put the unction inside of you. What your function is is, and what your calling is. Now, Colossians chapter 3. Last week we were in chapter 2. This week we're in chapter, chapter 3. Now, understand the book of Colossians was written to a place called Colossae. And the church at Colossae, something going on that, that is the same thing we deal with today. It was a thing called gnosis, a Gnosticism. You know what the word gnosis means, don't you? G-N-O-S-I-S. Gnosis means knowledge. You know, everything's about thinking. It has nothing to do with action. The flesh, the body is, is nothing in relationship with God. It's all about knowledge. It's all about knowing him. That's not true. That's not true. Because when we come to the Lord, we are saved spirit, soul, and body. As a matter of fact, it says in Corinthians that you are not your own. He says, glorify the Lord in your body, which is the Lord's. So we're called to give glory to God. 
1 of chapter 3, it says, If you have Christ, Maybe we stick. We just go religious nut, and we don't have anything about anything else. It has nothing to do with religion. It has something to do with relationship. The relationship that we have with God and knowing who we are in Christ, and Christ in us, doing the will of God through us. That's what it has to do with. So he says, if you're seated with Christ, keep seeking the things above. Hand of God, set your mind. Everybody say your mind. On the things above, not on the things that are on the earth, for you have died and your life with Christ. I think that's a good place for us to stop and pray for just a moment. Father, we pray that you would speak to us the word today. Let this truth, let this truth seek deep into our spirit. Father, change us from the inside out. God, let know. Let what we know about you, let us let what we know about your word transform us. Conform us into your image. Make us what you want us to be, Lord, as vessels of honor. Therefore, you You know, one of the most popular TV shows today, and I see it all the time, and even downtown, they have they have this thing, The Walking Dead Night. It's crazy. Uh, no. I mean, who wants to hear about as a stupid zombie? We have the Spirit of God living inside of us. Wait. If we live in our past sins and we don't come out of them, then zombies. God has called us into life. He says, walk in the light as he is in the light. Because and when we do get in light as he is in the light, then you have fellowship one with another. We have real koinonia. We have real connection when we walk in the light because there's no darkness there. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us of all sins. Now, here's the other part of that. It says if we say we have no sins, then we make who a liar? Us. He said if you say you have no sins, then you lie to yourself. But confess your sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all Right? It means all. The way that we once were. And, you know, there's an equal fascination. People stop living as a sinner. And Paul says we wrestle with that. And the reason we wrestle with it is because of carnal thinking. We think the wrong way. We can't, we got to train our minds to think. The way that God wants us to think. we got to think above and not beneath. It's what she was talking about just a moment ago. If we walk around thinking we're defeated, guess what? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Well, I just can't seem to get past this. I just can't forgive that person. Oh, woe is me. Gloom, despair, agony on me. Oh, Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no love. Y'all know the song. And that's the way, and that's the number one course for a lot of people. You meet them, how are you doing? And I'm, I'm afraid to ask some people how they're doing because they'll tell you. And you feel like, God, I want to fall on my face and go into prayer and above, not on things that Jesus, you have a new position in the kingdom. You're seated with Christ. Where is Christ seated? At the right hand of the Father. 
And you are with Christ in heavenly places. Yeah, let that sink in. As a matter of fact, he Jesus in you. Why should we be afraid of demons? You know? Somebody. Who are you? When the devil himself is a. Because greater is he that is in you than he the. have to be afraid. You can stand in the boat. It says, the wicked flee when there's no one in pursuit, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Roar. Oh, I'm a lion. I'm not a chicken. You know? Well, some people act like chickens. Yeah. We're afraid. The sky's falling. But God has never told us to be that way. He's told us to be to be strong, to be bold, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And understand that who we are, our new life in Christ, we have a new position. We are in him and he is in us. And because we're in him and he is in us, that gives us something entirely different than what the world has. The world doesn't have it. I went into, went into uh, uh, yesterday to get biscuits at at what's that place called? The Bojangles, yeah. Bojangles. And of course, when they ask me how I'm doing, I'm going to tell them. Guess what I'm going to tell them? I'm blessed with the best, no stress, and highly favored. She's like, oh, I know that's right. <laughs> and so we just had church in Bojangles. Well, she was making biscuits. And she looked at me. She said, don't let nobody steal your joy. I said, honey, nobody can. Because the world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. And my joy is in here. It's not around me. It's in me. And, you know, you should be contagious with the joy of the Lord wherever you go because the joy of the Lord is your strength, and you should be contagious with people around you. You should be lifting people up everywhere you go. They ought to think you're a Holy Ghost nut because you are. It's, it's okay. Just assume your identity. Relish it. Walk in it. I am a tongue-talking, devil-thumping, demon-stomping, child of God, and I'm not ashamed to tell it. I want everybody to know it. But, you know, a lot of folks have a head knowledge with Jesus that leads them to believe that they're okay in their relationship with God. They assume that because of the works, their works of righteousness that they do. In other words, they attend church, they tithe, they... Do their best to most of us fail miserably. And and they 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 think that in doing these things they're absolved of their sins if they do more righteous acts than to do unrighteous, that somehow we tip the scale in our favor. And there's a hope in a lot of people if things that are that are righteous, even though they do some righteous, then when they stand before the judgment seat of God, that he's going to look at that measure it out and say, hmm, you know, you did a lot more things than you did bad. That ain't going to happen, is it? Because that's so contrary to the word of God. The word says there's none righteous. No, not one. It's not a one of us. Because we're conceived in iniquity. We're conceived in sin. And every one of us are guilty. Everybody's guilty. You know, when, they, when you're brought before the judge, you're always asked the question when you're accused of a crime, are you guilty or not guilty? We have to plead. I plead guilty. I'm guilty. But because I'm guilty, there's a penalty. There's always a penalty. And the Bible says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin or the penalty of death is what? Or sin is death. But the gift that Jesus paid the penalty for our sins, therefore, though you are guilty, 
the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord. That's a wonderful thing. That's what we should focus on is the fact that none of us are righteous, all of us have sinned, and every one of us have fallen short of the glory of God, but God has made a way for us. As a matter of fact, tackle such a chapter of, 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 of Colossians 20, he says, and this is the Amplified Bible, he says, if you have with Christ of looking at things, and you have escaped from the world's crude and elemental notions and teachings of externalism, why do you live as if you as if you as though you still belong to this world? You know, it's easy to sit in our seat on Sunday morning and and make all the claims about our relationship with God. It's another thing when the rubber hits the road. I mean, it's like you have your car in the garage; it's a safe place to be. And you can wash it and wax it, make it look good, tune it up, and leave it in the garage, and it's going to be safe there, right? But the minute you get out, there's always an opportunity where that car is going to have to prove its worth. And that's the way it is with relationship with God. If we know we're in the world, we're useless in the kingdom of God. Our stock is way down. But if we start we are and start to act upon that, then things begin to change. Guess what? Things begin to change around us. We were singing that song, Great is Your Faithfulness. And I just, man, I wanted to jump through the roof. If I could jump high enough, I would have. And I was just thinking, you know, when my doctor told me a couple of weeks ago, when in, in 2005, when I went through treatments for hepatitis C, and he says, they stamped my file incurable. And now, Praise God, I'm cured in Jesus' name. See, back then there was no way. But God will make a way when there is no way. And I thought about our journey here. I thought about our journey as as Destiny City and where we came from. I mean, it was impossible in the eyes of people. But, you know, with God, nothing is possible. Nothing is impossible. So we serve a possible God. And, And all the time. What are we going to do? I said, I don't know. But God does. So we'll keep trusting him. We'll keep walking. And God will show us when the time is right. Because, you know, sometimes the best laid plans that we have turn out to be the worst ones. God always got a better idea. And so when we trust him, we walk in his word and we walk in his favor, God will always make a way when there seems to be absolutely no way. The fact that we're sitting here this morning is just a miracle of God. And, and, you know, we haven't paid for it yet, or God hasn't. I think he's just testing our faith. And the trying of your faith works what? Come on, help me. Patience. The trying of your faith works patience. I wish that God would just do it some other way. Because I get impatient. But God's working on that, obviously. And, uh, and, and so, when the time is right, God will cause it to happen. That's right. Who's got the bird? I heard that. So, when we set our mind on things above or in a higher place, let's look at that. I want, I want to kind of break that, that down. And Paul says, and he makes it clear that if we've entered into a new relationship with Christ, then we should not be aligned with and seeking the things that are of this world. In Colossians 3, 2, it says, set your mind. In the Greek, that word is phroneo. Everybody say phroneo. And it means to exercise the mind. In other words, to entertain or have a sentiment or opinion implying to be mentally disposed, more or less, in a certain direction. To be inclined in a certain direction or have a fixed mindset. To set one's mind on or be devoted to. It's like being a stubborn saint. We're fixed. We're not movable. And that's why Paul says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the, in the work of the Lord, knowing this, that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. You know what context he said that in? In the context of the end of our days. The context of death. 
In other words, sometimes we may not see what we thought we would see in our lifetime, but if you keep working it, you keep doing it, you keep doing what God wants you to do, you be steadfast, immovable, always work, uh, doing the work of the Lord, knowing this, that your labor in the Lord is not in vain, because sometimes the things that we do for the Lord outlive us. We may not see it, but God will make sure that the things we do for him will continue on long after we're gone. There's a little book called A Hundred Years From Now, and what it deals with is the things that we do in our life, what difference will they make a hundred years from now? Think about that. All the things we put our hands to and we work so hard for, lasting implications, or are they just for a moment? You know, we do so many things that are just, we're just piddling life away sometimes. The things we do have, have hardly any fruit at all, or it just comes and it goes, and we eat it, and it's gone. And when we think about that word above, on things above, in other words, in a higher place, heavenly, what we think about the most will determine how we live. What we think about the most will, will determine how you live. Anybody want to argue that fact? The things that, that are on our mind all the time will determine the direction that we take. I used to work at Duke Energy, and we had about 20,000 employees there, and a lot of those guys around me, you know, they, 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 they lived for the moment. I asked them one day, you know, they were talking, and and they asked me, what are you going to do this weekend, preacher? I said, well, I got a lot of plans this weekend. I'm going to spend time with my family. I got some things to do with our youth group. And I'm going to be doing ministry on Sunday morning and Sunday evening. And, you know, I don't know what all is going to happen this weekend. What are you going to do? Same thing I did last weekend. What did you do last weekend? Got drunk. Got drunk. Yeah, man. Soon as it was done working, we went and got drunk. Stay drunk all weekend. So how'd you feel Monday morning? Man, felt lousy. So what are you going to do this weekend? Uh, probably go get drunk. That's life. That's living it up, right? You know? And that's the way some people live their lives, in a continuum of a downward spiral, spiral that goes nowhere. But God has not called us to go in that because God has pointed us in a certain direction. We have a goal in mind. And I don't want us to think about that for a minute. We have a goal. And, and Paul says in Philippians 3, 4, let me, let me back up the truck just a second there. As, uh, you know, what, what we think about the most will determine how we live. As believers or people of faith, we're called, we're, we, we like to call it, we should be focused on the goal before us. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this, seeing then that we're encompassed about with great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and hindrance that does so easily beset us. Now, think about that for a minute. Every weight and every hindrance that does so easily beset us. Those things that pull us off the path beset us. And there are a lot of weights and hindrances that we have in our life that will keep us from fulfilling the call of God or the will of God in our life if we allow those things to happen. And most of the time, it's not big things, those little besetting sins. It's kind of the things that we stumble over. You know, the little foxes that spoil the vine. And we have to deal with those because if we don't deal with those things in our life, those inconsistencies and those little besetting sins and things that we think, you know, that God doesn't notice that we're getting by with, they're adding up. And how are they adding up? Is it, is it going to send you to hell? Maybe not. But is it going to destroy your effectiveness? Absolutely. He says, let us lay those things aside and then let us do what? Let us run with patience the race that is before us, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. See, that's getting our mind set on a heavenly direction. We know where we're going, and we're following him. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. It says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20, it says that he has given us an example, talking about Jesus, that we should follow in his steps. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me daily. 
So there's a part of our life we, we have to have to put our focus in the right direction. And, and when we put our eyes on Jesus and we follow after him, things begin to change in our lives for the better. Paul said this in Philippians 3, 4 through 13. And he's bragging a little bit on himself because he wanted to the Philippians to understand where he was coming from because there were those who were discounting his apostleship true apostle because he wasn't as educated as they were. And Paul says, I beg to differ. He said, listen to me. Although I myself might have a confidence in the flesh, if anyone has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. I have a doctorate. Now he says, I am circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to the righteousness which is in the law, I found myself blameless. Verse 7, but whatever things were gained to me, I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. In other words, I gave them up. I lost them. More than that, I count all things as loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Wow. Being conformed to his death. You mean he wanted to die Jesus? He did. Not that I've already attained it. I've already become perfect. But I press on in order that I may lay hold of that. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What do you got your eyes on? What have you got your eyes on? He says, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. This terra firma, this world with all of its beauty can have a certain allure. Some people don't want the rapture to come because, quite frankly, they're having too much fun here. You know? Back in the Depression, there were a lot of songs written about the rapture and going to heaven. Matter of fact, there was an old song we used to sing all the time. When we all get to heaven... What a day of rejoicing that will be. I mean, they sang it with exuberance back then because they didn't like the way they were living here. They were in a lot of, I mean, when you can't get enough food to eat. We were talking about that the other day. You know, I grew up in a family of 11. And when we came in from working all day or from school or whatever, we never asked Mama, what's for supper? We said, Mama, we got any supper? A lot of times you didn't. There were times when all we had were some beans or something, but hey, we didn't go hungry. But God is good. But we learn to appreciate things. And when we have, when the things here are, are a little tougher sometimes, we have more of a heavenly viewpoint. But when things are easy, and when things are going our way, sometimes we lose focus. It's easy. It's easy for us to lose perspective on what God wants us to do. And we can become fleshly and carnal. But if our spirit is yearning higher, our inward man But if we don't fix our minds on and keep them on the goal ahead of us, we will find ourselves sucked into the quagmire of the past or focused on earthly matters and lose sight of what God has for us, which is far better. Paul says, if you have died in your life, that word life is the word zoe, the God kind of life, the eternal life, is hidden with Christ in God the life we live here is only temporal and short-lived. And this afternoon, I'm going to have the privilege of speaking at my friend and neighbor's memorial. And it's going to be a joy for me to do it because I knew the man. 
had this conversation many times because he he had had a heart transplant a couple of years ago. And I remember the day that, that my neighbor had a heart attack. He's Scott Young was a coach at, at Westro End High School. And I was out in the backyard cutting down a big oak tree about this big around. And, and you know, I, I grew up in the country. I knew how to cut down a tree, but I kind of misjudged that one. Because they look up at the top and it kind of curved that way, which was toward his yard. And so I thought, well, if I cut the V deep enough on this side and go to the other side and cut it in that direction, it will fall this way. And so I cut the V, and I get on the other side, and I start cutting it, and the tree starts to go, now look. And he's got a big playground for his children right behind the big tree. So about that time, I see Scott drive up. And so I run out to him and say, hey, Scott, we got a problem. He says, we got a problem? I said, yeah, I was cutting a tree, and I got it going in the wrong direction. It looks like it's going to fall on your playground. He said, oh, I'll let it fall. He said, my kids are growing up already anyway. I said, well, look, man, I said, you don't know what the future holds. You might have another one coming. He says, you know, you're right. He said, let me go get my dad. He'll know what to do, you know, because his dad was a country boy. And so Scott jumps in his truck, and he runs to get his dad. So while he's going to get his dad, I, I'm back there studying it and and so I went and got a piece of fishing line and a bolt and tied to it, and I threw it up in the top of the tree, and it went right over a limb just as pretty as please, and I pulled it down, went around the tree, and I tied a rope to it and pulled it around the tree, went across the yard and took a comb along and tied it around another tree and hooked it to it and tightened it up so that it wouldn't fall over. So Scott comes back, and long story short, we got the tree down, thankfully, in our yard. It fell in the right direction. And so, later on that evening, Becky and I went out to dinner or something. Or to, I don't know where we went, but we came back, and it was kind of late when we got back. But as we pulled into our yard, I saw Scott run out of his house, jump in his truck, and take off up the street just as hard as he could go. And I'm thinking, wow, what's going on? And the next morning, we found out that he had had a heart attack. And Becky said, what did you do to Scott? <laughs> and she blamed me for it, but... But anyway, he had a, had a very serious heart attack, and it damaged his heart, and he was going to have to have a heart transplant, which he did. But I, I remember he, while he was waiting on his heart transplant, he had some complications, some serious complications, and it was nip and tuck, and he didn't know if he was going to make it or not. And I just felt in my spirit, I need to go pray with him. Of course, you know, I visited him several times in the hospital, and so he was down in Charlotte, and I went down to Charlotte. And I went in to see him. He's uh, laying up in his bed, and and uh, I just flat out asked him, I said, Scott, I've got to ask you the question. So you and I have talked about it a lot. And he had invite, would invite me to school to speak to the, to the football team every year. And uh, so I asked him, I said, Scott, I, I just got to know, man. I said, if you were to not make it through whatever procedure you're getting ready to do, I said, where would you spend eternity? I just got to know. And Scott says, Without a doubt, I'd spend eternity in heaven. He said, I've made that, I've, I took care of that a, a long time ago. He said, I had my pastor to come in here. He said, we prayed, we talked. You know, he said, I made sure that, that I'm, I'm ready to go to heaven. He said, so if I were to not make it today, he said, I'd be in heaven the next moment. I said, Scott, that's all I need to know. And he said, well, I appreciate you asking. So, you know, Scott and I had a great relationship, just wonderful neighbors. And while I was, I was, I got an invitation to go out to the coast this weekend, this past week, to go fishing. And while I'm away, Becky texted me. She said, I don't know what's going on at the neighbor's house. Lots of cars and all this kind of stuff. And then she texted me back. She said, oh, no, Scott's passed away. And it's kind of a bummer. <laughs> I really love the guy. I'm going to miss him. I thought thinking about his family and everything, but then I started thinking about Scott because the last conversation that we had, I asked Scott, I went over, I saw him one day, and I just walked over and talked to him. I said, Scott, how you doing, man? He says, listen, he said, man, he said, getting this heart transplant has given me a new lease on life, and, and he said, man, I, I just, I feel better than I felt in ages, and he said, I'm just so thankful that God has given me opportunity to spend with my family, and he did, man. He he used that heart. I mean, he wore that thing out, spending it with his family and, and his son. And 
And I think he got to see one of the things he wanted to see is, is see his son's last football game. He was assistant coach at, at Statesville. But I say that to say this. Scott was living life in view of eternity. Every day he knew that he was living on borrowed time. He knew that every second could be his last one. Every breath he breathed could be the last one. You see, we take that for granted. We just think because we're relatively healthy people that we're going to live forever. But it doesn't happen that way. But, you know, when, 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 you, when you're on the other side of 50, you know, somebody wrote a book one time, says if you're 50 and over the hill, you should be going faster. Well, I found that to be true. You can't back the bus up. I mean, it's, it's headed downhill. And uh, so with that, that thought in mind, you know, it, it tells me that I have to do things quicker than I used to. I've got to work harder because if I'm going to make any kind, if I'm going to sow any seed here in this life that's going to outlast last me, i got to do it now because my season's coming to an end. And so it, it puts things in a totally different perspective. But for Scott, it was living for God. It was living for his family. It was living for those around him and understanding that, that heaven is a certainty. Life is short. God is good. When we think that way, we, we think in terms of what there was a missionary, Helen Lamel, back in the 20s, and she was a missionary. And I can see from her perspective why she wrote this song. Because as a woman missionary in the 20s, it's quite different than it is now. See, women weren't regarded the same way back then. And very, very difficult, still difficult, a lot of situations. And I, I think about our missionary friend, Elaine Wilburn, down in Mexico, who doesn't seem to get the same support that a lot of men do doing the same thing she does. And it's sad. But Helen Lemel wrote this song, and she says, at the course of it goes something like this, and you may have heard it, I don't know. It says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We have our eyes fixed in the right direction. We understand that as we look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, puts things in an entirely different perspective. And the thing we need to understand that heaven is real and so is hell. There's a heaven to gain and there's a hell to shun. And when it's not just about heaven and hell, it's about how we live our life because the way we live our lives here is training ground for how we will spend eternity in God's kingdom. We're either preparing to rule and reign or we're being prepared to be ruled over as others reign. Some will make it as by fire because they'll test God. They'll test the grace thing, you know. I'm saved by grace through faith and that's all I need. I don't need to do anything more for God. But there are things that we need to do and understand that we are in the kingdom of God. And as we're in the kingdom of God, we have a king, and the king reigns. And because the king reigns, that means that we are submitted to his will. We submit ourselves to him. Wow. Mark chapter 8, verse 35-37 says, for whoever wants to save his, and this is the Amplified Bible. I like the Amplified because it speaks louder. <laughs> it says, whoever wants to save his higher spiritual life or eternal life will lose it. What is it? The lower natural temporal life, which is lived only on earth. And whoever gives up his life, which is lived only on this earth, for my sake and the gospels will save it his higher spiritual life in the eternal kingdom of God. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life in the eternal kingdom of God? For what can a man give as an exchange or a compensation, a ransom in return for his blessed life in the eternal kingdom of God? I had a question for you, and I ask it to myself. What excites you? I get excited about fishing. <laughs> but you know what? I get excited more about the things of God. 
I know my wife and I lived on Hatteras Island for several years, and believe me, I, I did a lot of fishing. I was a lot of invited, but I could have done a lot more, but we didn't. I mean, there were months that would go by, and I didn't wet a hook. I wanted to really bad. Sometimes I thought about trolling over the Bonner Bay Bridge, you know, just throw a line out the window and let it drag through the waters I'm going across. If I could have done it. But some things we have to lay aside. We have to lay them aside. And we have to focus on what God wants us to do. I remember one of my youth pastors, one of my leaders, actually, he was over the state. And I was kind of a subordinate of his when I was in the Assemblies of God because he was like the district youth director, Mark Muirhead. Mark was a great guy, just a terrific leader. But Mark would always tell me, you know, sometimes as youth pastors, we would get to feel a little sorry for ourselves and would to start grumbling and complaining a little bit. Mark would just say, hey, Don, suck it up. He was real compassionate. To suck it up. You know, you got something to do. Do you know God called you? Do you believe he called you? Yeah, Mark. Yes, yes. Okay, Mark. Suck it up, man. Come on. Sometimes we just got to suck it up. Just got to realize who we are. God is good. Life is tough, but God is good. He's faithful no matter what we go through. He will never fail on one of his promises. He's never failed us yet, and he's not going to. I got so excited when they were singing that song. He's never failed me yet. Matter of fact, I wanted to sing it about ten more times, but we had to move on. That's kind of the mindset we need to have is understanding that we have a heavenly calling. That's where we'll spend eternity, not here. We're only here for a short time. And you may think, you know, when I was 20 years old, I, w- I would think, man, you know, what am I going to do when, it's, when I'm 50? What's it going to be like when it's 2015 or 2017? I just couldn't even fathom it. I'd, I'd start thinking about it. I would just short circuit. I'd just, bzz, 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 just buzz out. I was like, I can't even imagine what it's going to be like. Well, now I'm here. There's nothing like I thought it would be. I thought I would have accomplished all of these things by now. You know, I thought, with, you know, in the best laid plans that we have here on this earth, there's always going to be something that's going to come along going to mess up our plans. But I want to tell you that the things that we plan for eternity, there's nothing going to mess those plans up. Because it's not our plans. It's His. And we fix our eyes on Jesus, and we fix our eyes on his will and his wants and his desires for us. It puts things in a whole different perspective. And everything that we do in light of what he wants us to do, guess what? It's successful. Because God will never fail. He will never fail. Sometimes we may fall, but when we do, we just fall forward to get up and keep going. Because we know it wasn't a failure. We only fail when we quit. When we stop pressing on with the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Do you think the Apostle Paul he had to go his chapter? He says that said, I have learned that whatsoever state I'm in, there with to be content. I've learned what it means to go through beatings and stonings and 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 to be, you know, left for dead and everything else. I know what it's like to go through the I know what it is to have plenty. I know what it is to have more than what I need. I, have, I know what it is to not have enough of what I need. I know. But I know this. In whatsoever state I am in, I'm going to be content. Paul, and Timothy, Paul told Timothy, he said, listen. He says, bodily exercise profits a little bit. It's not bad for you. It's a good thing. So, I, you know, don't, don't, don't let anybody tell you that the preacher said you don't need to exercise. Okay? He says it profits a little. But godliness with contentment is great gain. We can just learn to live what the way God wants us to do and be content in the state that we're in and not desire what somebody else has or, or, or think that God doesn't have us where he wants us to be. If we get anxious, and you know, he says, be anxious for nothing, but in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. If we learn to be in that, be content in whatever state we're in, it's God. It's going to work out. It's going to work out. Why do I know that? Because he's never failed me yet. It always works out. He makes all, everybody say all. Romans 8, 28, he makes all things together for 
who are the called according to his purpose. Can you just say this with me? I've been called by God. And he has a purpose for my life. So no matter what happens in this life, his purpose in me. You can rest on that. My wife and I, you know, we've been through some things, but she and I both will tell you, we've learned that God is always faithful in me, honey. He's always faithful. Things don't always work out the way you want them to. But if we learn to trust God, it always works out. And you know what? It always works out for the better. Because when we come out on the other side, we may come out, you know, we walk through the fire, but we don't smell like it. We don't look like it of the cleansing, washing of the water of the Word and the goodness of God and just trusting Him. He just takes us through it. Just takes us through it. It's a funny thing. We, I got a text on Monday and uh, Jane's husband and another friend invited him to come out to Hatton Island to go fishing. You know, he says, Okay, I have to get permission first. No. <laughs> no, I told her, I said, honey, if you don't want me to go, I mean, we have a lot of things going on. If you don't want me to go, it's going to stress you. I won't. Because <laughs> I know he. And, and, and I just mentioned it. And on the other end of the phone, it was like somebody with the. Publisher's Clearinghouse showing up while you're on the phone. I can hear stuff being thrown and everything else. And he was packing already. But we went, and while we're there, we got there Tuesday, didn't we? About, I don't know, sometime in the afternoon. We fished all afternoon. We came in, and we're sitting there. We, we stopped in at Food Line on the way back, and I saw a young lady there. I know her parents really well, and they've asked me to come to our, you know, they, we have an open invitation to come to their house. I really didn't want anybody out there to know I was there. You know, I was trying to go out incognito. So I stopped at food. And uh, fish. And the phone rings. And I looked down name, and I said, her stepdaughter must have told her I was there. She says, are you here? I said, yeah. She said, it's got to be God then. So she starts about a guy that I'd led to the Lord years ago. I'm like, God, you know, I might be fishing, but you had a mission while I'm fishing something for me to do. So I went and prayed for the guy, spent time with him. God's purposes there's no He may work together for the good. That's what I'm saying. And he knows how to work it. And he knew how to work it for that brother. He knew how to work it for that sister. He knows how to work it for you. He knows what's going on. You know, he's like, well, here's a servant I can use over here. And here's someone I can use over here. You just never know how God's going to work things, but he always does. And when we work with him, he makes all things work together for the good. So, your mind. Keep your mind set on things above. Where Christ is seated with the Father. And where we are seated with Christ in Him. 
And when we think of ourselves being that way, you know, we, it's, it's not that I'm, and I've heard people say, you know, don't be so heavenly minded, you know, earthly good. And I think that was a, was a lie of the devil that was sent along to tell people that, you know, you don't have to think that way. If we're thinking religiously in religious terms, yes, I can understand that. If we look down our noses at other people, I can understand that. But if we're thinking in terms of our, of our position in Christ and where God has called us to live, and understand the authority and the power that we have within us through Jesus Christ. And understand that God has purpose for us no matter where we go and what we do and what we're doing. God will always open up doors of opportunities for you to be used anytime, any place. You just got to be willing and ready to do what God wants you to do when he asks you to do it. And that's the message today. So where's your mind? Where's your mind? And it's easy to get wrapped up in things of this world that will just take us away from what God wants us to do. Get us off course. Those little besetting things that trip us up. Sometimes it's not necessarily sins, but James said, or Paul says in Romans 14, 4, he says, or chapter 14, he says, whatever is not of faith, verse 14, is sin. So we walk by we live by faith and everything requires. So I'm just going to ask God right now to increase yours. And while I'm asking him to increase yours, I'm going to ask him to increase mine too because we all need that. And one other thing that I want you to understand too is this. God loves you. About your relationship with Jesus, just like I asked my friend Scott. But I want to tell you something. It says in Proverbs 27, 1, it says, Take no thought on your life, for no man knows what another day may bring forth. It also says in James chapter 4, verse 14, he says, And then vanishes away. I like to do having That's your life. That's your life. In the light of eternity. Sometimes we we take it so lightly. We think that we're immortal or something. But we're not. We're not. Not here anyway. But we are. We are. We are immortal spiritual beings that will live in eternity. And how we spend that eternity is determined by our acceptance of what Jesus did for us, his work on the cross. So right now, I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads, and I'm going to ask you that all-important question, same question that I asked Scott Young. I'm going to ask you a question. Where would you spend eternity? And understand that eternity is not measured in years. Because eternity isn't time measured. It is immeasurable time. It is timelessness. That's eternity. And you are an eternal being. And your spirit will live on forever. But your spirit will spend an eternity with Christ in heaven. Or your spirit will spend an eternity in hell if we reject him and refuse to accept him. I'd like to tell you that there's another way, to, but there isn't. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And we talked about that last week, that, that he was by him all things were made. Without him nothing was made. For everything was made by him and for him. So he is preeminent above all things. And there is no other way except through Jesus. So this morning on that question, I want you to let that question ring in your mind. Answer it. Where would you spend eternity? Heaven or hell? That's the question. 
and we can't afford to put it off because several weeks ago, you know, when I talked to my friend Scott, he said, I feel better than I felt in a long time. And I went away for a few days of fishing. I come back today, I'll be preaching his funeral. So we just don't know. We just don't know. But it's an important question for you to ask yourself. Now I want to ask this question of everyone in here. If you know today that if the Lord were to call you home or if Jesus were to come, you would spend an eternity in heaven, would you just lift your hand? Praise God. Praise God. I'm thankful that most of us could raise our hand and some are honest and said, I don't know. Well, if you're unsure, you can be sure today. Or if you don't know, you can know today before you leave this place. Because I don't know where I will be tomorrow. I have no clue. If I were to be in heaven, that would be all right. If I'm still here, that'll still be fine. It doesn't matter. Because whether I live or die, I'm in Christ. And that's what matters. So I want to give you an opportunity right now. If you could not answer that question, I know where I would spend eternity. I know I would spend my life, my eternity in heaven. Then, then if you couldn't answer that question, I want to give you an opportunity right now to answer that question forevermore. So if you would like for me to pray with you and you were unable to raise your hand today, would you just lift your hand? If you'd like for me to pray with you right now to receive Christ as your Savior. Let's settle the question. Let's settle the question. This is for you. I would be remiss if I were to walk out that door today and not give you an opportunity to know Christ as your Savior. But I can't manipulate you into doing it. It's got to be your decision. You've got to decide. Anyone? Say, Pastor, just pray for me. I just ask you right now to pray for me. I'm going to pray for everyone in here today because I know we all struggle because I struggle with the same thing. I live in a body that though I'm a child of God, I live in a world that's contaminated with sin and it's hard. And I know the struggles that you're going through because we all go through the same struggle. But I just want to pray for you and believe God for victory in your life. If you're going through things in your life, struggles in your life, maybe doubts, maybe confusion. Maybe you just have questions or maybe you're angry at God. And and sometimes we get angry at God. I mean, God does something we want him to do and we get offended at him or or he does something that we don't think he should and we get offended at him and we got to get over that because you want the blessings of God. You want to walk in the favor of God. Someone's going to pray that God will help you right now. Would you stand to your feet? Just lift your hands to the Lord for just a minute. Father in heaven, I thank you. I thank you, Lord God, for the promises of your word, which are always in you. Yes and amen. And I thank you, Lord God, that you have given us the strength. As a matter of fact, Lord, you said that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us and gave himself for us, that he might present us to himself before the Father. And Lord, I thank you, God. That we are overcomers through Christ Jesus. Would you say that with me? I am an overcomer through Christ Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I determine that I will use the authority that God has given me. That the enemy will not rule over me and my circumstances because I am a child of God. I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus and Christ rules and reigns therefore I rule and I reign with him hallelujah thank you Lord thank you Jesus give God praise hallelujah thank you Lord amen thank you Jesus and I know some of that we didn't see coming. And sometimes the enemy, 
more than often, that's how he operates. He likes to set us up, try to set us up for failure. But you're not going to fail. Some of you have been family members for years, and it just seems like. But I want to remind you of what God's Word says in Mark eleven twenty two. Have faith in God. Everybody say that with me. Have faith in God. And you can say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the depths of the sea. And it shall, it will obey you. But when you stand praying, and we're standing praying right now. When you stand praying, believe that you have whatsoever you ask. Have. Let this in it. Whatsoever you. Don't say God didn't do it. He did. You're the one who said he didn't, not God. But when you pray and you believe, say, God did it. He's already done it. I call those things which were not as though they were. Because my faith is not in my prayer. My faith is in my prayer to God. Amen. So let's do it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I say to this mountain, I say to this mountain of stubbornness, I say to this mountain of unbelief. I say to this mountain of discouragement. I say to this mountain of rebellion. This mountain of sickness. This mountain of poverty and want. In the name of Jesus, be moved and cast into the depths of the sea. And I declare that it is done. God has done it. Because he said so, and I agree with him. And it is done. It is finished in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, I declare that this building is paid for. I declare, Lord, that you have opened up the resources of heaven. Lord, that you are loosing. And you said anything that we loose on earth is loosed in heaven also. Lord, loose the finances. Lord, you said anything we bind on earth is bound in heaven also. I bind the enemy. I bind any doubt or or disbelief or confusion in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we call forth. We call forth what we need out of the resources of heaven which are limitless in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hey, I love you. God loves you. Love on somebody's neck. Shake their hand. Give them a high five, a hug or something. And God bless you. Yeah, we got to pray for Jeremy before he gets out of here. Don't go nowhere. Nowhere. Come here, Jeremy. Amen. He just keeps right on playing. Doesn't say a word. And step right down here, son. I want our leaders to come and stand with me. If you want to, anybody, I know everybody loves this guy. I don't think anybody loves him more than me and his mom and his wife and his God and 99% of them and his daughter. Yeah. He's a loved man, and we appreciate him. Jeremy, do you have everything that you need as far as finances are concerned? Or are you covered? By faith? By faith, he's saying that uh, he's still waiting on God to come through in some areas. So if you want to help him out, then it's, it's still, still, still available for you. But, Father, we just thank you for Jeremy. We thank you for the mission that you called him upon. We thank you, Lord God, that doors will open that no man can shut. And, Lord, we thank you, Father, that when the enemy comes and tries to walk through those doors, those doors will shut and no man can open them. And, Father, we thank you, Lord God, that he will accomplish that that you send him forth to do. India will be touched because of the mission that Jeremy is going forward to fulfill. Lord, the things that he's laying down, the things he's going to be doing, Father, will for eternity. And we just thank you for it. Lord, we pray for Jeremy's safety. 
We pray for his provision. We pray, Lord, that everything he has need of, Lord, will be met and exceeded because we know, God, and looking at the scriptures, Lord, you never send any, any prophet forward. You never send any one forward, Lord, without taking care of every need that they have. And so, Lord God, we thank you that every need will be met. We pray for his, his safety. We pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would just be so strong upon him, that the anointing would be so heavy. Lord, that wherever he walks and wherever he goes, even as a shadow falls upon people, they'll be healed in Jesus' name. Lord, we just thank you, Father God, that he abides in the shadow of the Almighty. Lord, that he dwells in the secret place of the Most High. And because of that, Lord God, because of that, Lord, there's a place of security. And, Lord, we just thank you that you will dispatch angels to go before him, Lord, to surround him on all sides. And, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father, for taking him through this mission. And when he returns, Lord God, he will come back rejoicing, Father, because he has gone forth and he's sown seed. And we know what your word says, Lord God, that when we go forth sowing seeds, even in tears, that we will come forth rejoicing. And so, Lord, we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we pray for Jessica while he's away. Lord, that, that you would just touch her and, and, and just give her a sense of security. And little Josie, Father, you just watch over them and protect them while Jeremy's away. And, and Lord, that you'll just, just give them a peace that passes all understanding. And, Lord, we just thank you, Father, for all of them, Lord, in Jesus' name. We bless you, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. <laughs> You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.